No one ever said marriage was simple. For federal employees getting set to retire, having a spouse definitely complicates things. For some of the decisions and what goes into them, federal retirement expert Tammy Flanagan. And Tammy, how does marriage make it tougher to decide what to do when you retire? Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me. Um, Marriage at the time of retirement means a few other decisions that have to be made, specifically regarding leaving your spouse a survivor benefit in the event that you predecease them. So this can cost money, it can provide a valuable benefit, but it's a decision that has to be made hopefully long before the time comes when when you become this surviving spouse. So it, it causes federal employees Uh, a lot of worry about what's the best way to do it, am I making the right decision, and how to best provide protection for my spouse. Sure, and if it's not the first marriage, I guess it gets to be a little different sort of decision sometimes. Sometimes it does, because sometimes in that divorce decree, if you have a former spouse, there might be a provision in there that says you have to leave that survivor benefit to spouse number one, and the way it works is first come, first served, if there's something in that divorce decree that provides for your former spouse. So yes, you're right, that can make it even more complicated and a little bit more um, worrisome for the current spouse to wonder what's left for me if you die first. Are there differences between those that are still under the SERS system and those that are under the newer FERS system? Yeah, I think it's quite a different story between CSRS and FERS when it comes to protecting your spouse. Under the old system or the CSRS system, that's a single benefit plan. So when you die, that whole retirement dies with you. So it's really important to consider the value of that benefit while you're living so that you understand what's at stake if you die before your spouse. So it is very common for a CSRS employee to elect the maximum survivor benefit for their spouse to protect the value of that benefit and also to protect their continuation of health benefits. On the other hand, the newer system, FERS, which now is where most federal employees are retiring from, that system is three tiers. So you have to think in terms of survivor benefits from the FERS basic benefit, which is generally about half as generous as the CSRS benefit. Then you have to think about what's going to be left in my TSP account to leave to my spouse. And then finally, how does the widow's benefit work under Social Security? So that's three different segments of benefits that have to have three different decisions applied to them. Yes, that's right, because as you implied, CSRS employees don't get Social Security, but do their spouses if they were not federal employees? Yeah, so it could be. So if you're in a situation where your CSRS and your spouse may have worked either under FERS or perhaps in the private sector, they can certainly have their own Social Security benefit that they'll continue to receive even if they someday become your surviving spouse. So that would be in addition to getting perhaps a survivor benefit from your civil service retirement. So they would have both both of those sources of income. But on the other hand, if the CSRS spouse becomes the surviving spouse, they won't be able to collect their spouse's Social Security due to the provisions of the government pension offset. So that civil service retiree is going to get their own civil service benefit, possibly a survivor benefit under FERS, but they will not get the Social Security benefit. Yeah, that was my question. This is a one-way road in some ways. Yes. I um, guess all of life is a one-way road, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's right. You have to think of who, who who is it more advantageous to die first, but no, we can't think that way. <laughs> We're speaking with Tammy Flanagan, federal retirement benefits expert. And what about two 
federal income people. When you have a federal couple where both are going to retire from federal service, there's a few specific questions that I hear over and over again. And one is, because we each have our own retirement, then it makes sense that we don't provide each other a survivor benefit. And I always have to stop them in their tracks to say, wait a second, just because you have your retirement and your spouse has theirs doesn't mean that you're not entitled or at least dependent on each other's. So I always tell people to make a chart and make a list of here's our income while we're both living. We each have a retirement benefit. We probably each have a TSP account. We might even both have Social Security benefits if we're both under FERS. Now, let's cross out one spouse and say, what's left if you die first? Is that going to be enough for me to live on? And if it's not, keep in mind, you can both take reduced benefits while you're living to leave a survivor benefit for your spouse in the event that you die first. So I still think it's important for federal couples to consider the election of a survivor benefit, even though uh, they have two federal pension benefits. Now, in recent years, marriage between same-sex partners has become legal and pretty much commonplace throughout the country. But there might be couples that are same-sex that just never bothered to go through with the marriage, but will have been living together for most of their lives as if they were married. Are there any particular implications they've got to consider when retirement approaches? Yeah, if you're not, sure, if you're not legally married, and it's regardless of whether it's a same-sex couple or opposite sex, doesn't matter. If you're not legally married, that's, that person is not your spouse, so therefore you can't do the spousal benefit. But at the time of retirement, you can elect something called an insurable interest. And that just simply means I'm going to name this person who has this financial need for me to stay alive to receive a survivor benefit if I should be the one to go first. Now, the cost of that could be more than the spousal benefit depending on the age difference. But if you're close in age or within five years of each other in age, that reduction is 10% of your retirement very much the same as the spousal benefit would be. So so the election there is called an insurable interest. Wow, there is a lot to think about. And an unrelated, well, a related question, but not quite germane. I was wondering, what have you been hearing about the OPM's ability and efficacy in getting annuities figured out? Because that ebbs and flows depending on what's happening with the rate of retirements. But also, that agency is in so much turmoil these days. That's true. Yeah, OPM, as we know, uh, is going through a lot of uh, proposed changes. Nothing has happened yet as far as them coming under GSA instead of OPM. And that really hasn't affected the processing because the workers are still doing you know, work as usual. But the work is heavy. I mean, the last year there were over 100,000 retirements that they had to process. And there just is a backlog at all times. So when someone retires from federal service, you should count on it taking 60 days, 90 days, maybe even longer, depending on how complicated your case is. So it's always a good idea to have some emergency money in the bank, because during that interim processing period, you might be getting less than you're expecting to get in your retirement. So sometimes having that balance of annual leave that's going to be paid to you in a lump sum can help tide you over while you're waiting for all the dust to settle and your retirement benefit to come in and you can decide during that time what to do with your TSP account and whether or not uh, to apply for Social Security. So there's going to be that time of transition where you have to figure out you know, what's going to happen first, second, and third. So yes, it, it pays to have some money in the bank. 
And I wanted to ask you briefly about some of the statistics that came out in the FY18 statistical abstract of retirement put out by OPM. What struck me Great. in there was that the some people do have pretty large annuities. 25% almost have greater than $4,000. I guess that means per month. Uh, there's per month. Ha- half a million right. people there. But a great many people have something way less than that, 3000 2000 1000 a month. It's not all that fat and happy for everybody that retires. That's true, because some federal employees might only stay in federal service five years or ten years, and obviously with that short of a career, they might only be getting five or ten percent of their pay as a retirement. So, yeah, you're right, Tom. There's a lot of federal retirees who are just getting a small benefit from OPM, and perhaps they have more money from private sector 401k plans or from Social Security. So, yes, it's not everybody who's um, getting that large five-figure monthly retirement check. All right. Tammy Flanagan is Senior Benefits Director at the National Institute of Transition Planning. As always, thanks so much. Thank you, Tom. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.